Big Badgers news. Going to talk about that. And guess what? A Friday special for the final time in the year 2022. Mike Clements is here. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, special Friday edition. All you Clem heads out there, you Clemens crazies. We got him coming up at 530. Very excited for that. Let's talk about the week a little bit before we get into the show. I don't like to get political, but I think the story bears talking about in the world of politics. Former President Donald Trump's tax returns were released this week by House Ways and Means Committee. I don't know what that is. A culmination of a long battle. It's been going on for years, right? Ended up in the Supreme Court. It turns out that Donald Trump hardly paid any taxes at all. But that's no big deal, ladies and gentlemen. That's not even that bad because guess what? And this is an exclusive to the show. A source of mine close to the Brewers got to look at Mark Atanasio's tax returns from 2022. And this is dark stuff. Turns out the Brewers only hired a second hitting coach because Mark thought he could use that as a deduction. <laughs> He's a dependent. <laughs> that's not quite how that works. Good idea, though. I respect the hustle. In other news, maybe you saw the feud this week between Greta Thunberg and Andrew Tate making all sorts of headlines the last couple of days. Now, Andrew Tate was bragging on Twitter about his car collection, and Greta Thunberg accused him of having a uh, small package. Yeah, that's tough. And if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, and I really didn't up until this week, I'll fill you in. He's basically Zach Davies, but more unlikable and even worse towards women. I know. No, I, I didn't think that was possible either. It's a thing. Yeah. Even worse than women. And finally, in sports news here in the state of Wisconsin, Big Packers news, Matt LaFleur announcing that David Bakhtiari should be good to go on Sunday versus the Vikings. Yes. Appendix is all good. But Packers fans, let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope he doesn't get a kidney stone. Maybe, uh, maybe his gallbladder. Let's hope he doesn't need a root canal. <laughs> we got a great show. What he could control, took shots when he needed to take shots, and I don't think I ever saw him bad eye. There was no bad body language, there was no nothing negative, no matter what situation I saw today. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I like keeping that intro, because I feel like throughout this week, we should be reveling and living in that guaranteed rate bowl victory. I mean, bowl season comes but once a year. And I know we got the playoff games this weekend. What are they? The Fiesta Bowl and the Orange Bowl or the the Holiday Bowl. I hate how they took the old bowls and they shoehorned them into playoff games. Just create new bowls. Just just make the, the national college football playoff bowls. I don't know. Make two of them. The Fruit Loops Bowl. I could give a damn. Stop taking away the bowls that I like and shoehorning them into college football playoff games. Those are coming up this weekend, but let's not lose sight of the point, Badgers fans. We are guaranteed rate bowl champions, and no college football playoff or no Packers-Vikings game should distract us from that and the accomplishment of Chase Wolf and a coaching staff working in tandem. Jim Leonard and Luke Fickle. I'm still not convinced Luke Fickle's headset was plugged into anything, but that's fine. (laughs) Who really cares? The guaranteed rate bowl. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Presented by Guaranteed Rate Insurance. Uh, mortgage, mortgages, my bad. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Graham Pills. I hope you're having an awesome day and your week is wrapping up nicely. We do get Mike Clements at 530 tonight. What a privilege to get him as we go out the door on a Friday. You never want to miss a Friday show, and a Friday show is made even better by the presence of Mike Clements. We're going to get the latest from Green Bay. 
preview Packers Vikings. Maybe he can describe this Jair press conference that's gaining a a lot of uh, acclaim, let's say, because of some trash talk and some potential bulletin board material. I'm sure by this point you know what I'm talking about, but if you don't, that's a tease. We're going to talk about that and listen to what Jair said. That's coming up at 4.30. 608-796-2558. If you'd like to be a part of the show, that's the number. And if you just want to sit back and listen, that's fine, too. If you'd rather tweet, I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. And you can involve yourself with the show uh, that way as well. Right after the show last night, walked over to the Lacrosse Beer House, as we do in Lacrosse every Thursday night. We pregame Thursday night football, and we hang out on the corner of 3rd and Pearl. It was packed last night. There's a big wrestling event in town. Lots of wrestling fans. You can tell by the ears. and Wrestling people just, they look a type. Same with hockey. You can kind of tell. Youth sport parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it was packed. We were in there pre-gaming Thursday night football. Met up with some listeners. And I wasn't really on my phone. So I missed the start of the Thursday night game, which, whatever. It's Titans-Cowboys. Is the Titans on Thursday night football again? How did that happen? Did I, did I miss something? They probably talked about it in the broadcast. Again, it doesn't matter. So I missed the start of that game. And then I get home. I turn the game on. And I see that our friends Ben Kenny and Asher Lowe are doing a Twitter space. And I say, my, 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 my. To what do we owe this pleasure? A surprise Twitter space from two of the best spacers around? Wait, the Badgers got another quarterback? Let's go. Yeah. I should have known that Ben Kenny and Asher Lowe don't just Twitter space for no reason. That should have been a red flag immediately. Yeah. Tanner Mordecai from SMU, Southern Methodist University. That's what that stands for. I called it Southern Methodist in that Twitter space last night and was chastised by Mr. Kenny, which I didn't appreciate. But now I'm going to stubbornly refer to it as only Southern Methodist. I will not say SMU on this show. I won't ask you to do the same, but to spite Mr. Kenny, I will only call it uh, Southern Methodist. About 3,500 yards and 33 touchdowns per season the last two years. He was at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. Then he transferred over, was at SMU under Sonny Dykes before he went to TCU So if you were in that Twitter space last night or if you listened to the morning show with Ben and Zach, they talked a lot about his background, right? Tanner Mordecai and and the programs that he's been in and the coaches that he's been under. Some good coaches. That's a good lineage. And now he's looking to get one more great year, his sixth year, his graduate transfer year, maybe to make his NFL case a little bit stronger. Probably could have gone to the draft. Maybe didn't get great reviews. Maybe the evaluation didn't go the way that he liked. And, of course, playing at Southern Methodist, (laughs) maybe doesn't catch the eye of scouts and maybe doesn't get you the respect that playing in the Big Ten would, right? So I think a lot of these quarterbacks who've succeeded at smaller schools, their final year in college, they say, okay, well, I'm going to go to a bigger program and see if I can't play on just a little bit bigger of a stage, maybe against some more stout competition, and maybe that boosts my draft stock. And now with NIL, it's a more economically feasible thing to do. As a graduate transfer is, is your final year, right? You can go somewhere else and you can make a little money. So although you're not going into the draft and although you're not becoming a professional, you can still make money while raising your draft stock. So this is one of the things about NIL that I really like. It gives options to athletes that are maybe on the bubble. They should come back to school for a year, but they also could go to the NFL and make money. We see this in college basketball now. Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky, a guy who could have gone to the NBA and maybe made a little money, probably wouldn't have been ready, probably wouldn't have went well. And players like that can come back to school and earn and make money off of their talents and performance while also growing and, and staying on a good trajectory, which I think sometimes, you know, players get bad advice or they have people in their ears saying, you got to go, you got to go get that money. It's always great to make money. I'll never fault people for that. But if you make a little money while growing your game and preparing yourself better for the pros, 
great, I'll take it. And that's maybe, maybe part of the Tanner Mordecai situation. If NIL isn't a thing, maybe he goes to the NFL. Evaluations be damned, right? And he goes to make that money. Who knows, right? Just to clarify, because I needed to clarify this with myself today, right? With college football and with sports that I don't follow with the detail that I follow the Packers or the Brewers or the NBA, I had to write this out today, and I had to look at it. I said, okay, let me get this straight. The quarterback room at the University of Wisconsin stands as follows, and I wrote all this out. Tanner Mordecai, who's been a Davey O'Brien finalist the last two years, one of the top performing quarterbacks in the country, putting up stats, putting up numbers, experienced, polished, played under Lincoln Riley, played under Sonny Dykes. That's the guy. Okay, Tanner Mordecai. Behind him is Nick Evers, who's a four-star recruit who is at Oklahoma, He's only going to be a sophomore. He's green. He's growing. He needs to develop, but now he can develop, assuming Tanner Mordecai gets the starting job. Behind him is Chase Wolf, guaranteed rate bowl champion. He's got pedigree now, okay? He's got pedigree on his resume. Miles Burkett is also there for the Miles Burkett crowd, for the Burkett boys and girls. Toolsy, freshman, sophomore, little speed, little who knows what he might turn into. Maybe he develops with Nick Evers. Maybe they learn, they push each other. Who knows? Oh, yeah, and by the way, Maybe Matower, if that's how you say it, is in the pipeline for the class of 2024. You might not need me to explain this to you. I needed to explain this to myself. And again, write it all out today and talk through it. I'm a talk through things guy. I talk to myself and explain things to myself. This is incredible. This is a quarterback room. The cupboard is no longer bare. The cupboard, in fact, is full with more groceries on the way in the years and in the recruiting classes to come. And for the last two weeks or so, Ben Kenny's talked about it. Zach Heilprin has talked about it. I have echoed their sentiments, which I very much agree with. Nick Evers is the starting quarterback next season in 2023. Not ideal. Very green. Not proven. And if he's not ready, there's not a lot behind him. You're either going to Chase Wolf, although Chase Wolf looks like a better proposition now. Again, the pedigree of winning the guaranteed rate bowl. That helps. <laughs> Miles Burkett there, but I don't feel comfortable about going to him if Nick Evers wasn't going to work out. And then they have some recruits coming in, I guess, if Cole LaCrue, but that's not a good cover. No, 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 no. We didn't feel great about Nick Evers being the lead dog going into next year. Right? And a lot of Badgers fans I see on Twitter and people text and call the show, they say, well, you don't bring in four-star Nick Evers and then not play him. No, 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 no. That is a loser mentality. I don't want to think that way. I want talented quarterbacks transferring out of Wisconsin because they can't get on the field. That's what I want. I want them transferring out. Oh, there's too many, too many good quarterbacks. The cupboard is too full. There's no room on the shelf. There's no playing time. Right? So I know Nick Evers rolls into town, and a lot of Badgers fans are like, well, he's the guy. He's four stars. He's the guy. You give him the job, right? You don't bring him in and not give him the job. And I'm going to bring in as many good quarterbacks as I can. I want a full quarterback room. I want a full quarterback room. Keep recruiting. Add more. Never stop. Never settle. Again, the great philosopher of our time, Sir David Urshan, once gave a great lecture in the movie The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. said, I personally own 13 Lamborghinis and a Subaru station wagon. And it is because of that excess that I have thrived. Don't stop profiting. Right? Live for excess. You remember this is a very good speech. It's the American way. Rousing applause. That's good stuff, right? Live for excess. This applies in America. This applies in capitalism. And it applies in college football. Nick Evers is great. That's a great start. 
He might not be ready next year. He probably won't be. Let's get another one. Let's get Tanner Mordecai in here. Okay, now Nick Evers can develop. Chase Wolf can just hang around. He can just get chicks and hold a clipboard. It's a great deal for him. Miles Burkett, who knows? He might turn into something. You never know. Sometimes in a really talented quarterback room, it's the guy you least expect. That was the case with Joel Stave. Four-star Mabry Matower on the way. He's going to be joining soon. This is good. This is good. And it's unbelievable how far this quarterback room has come in just three or four weeks. Because at the end of the season, Luke Fickle is coming on staff. Jim Leonard is going to be out. We don't know who the offensive coordinator is. We don't know the trajectory of the team. We're thinking, man, you know, is this, is this going to be Nebraska 2.0? We're trying to punch above our weight. We're trying to take a step up. And maybe we don't realize how good we have it with Paul Christ and then with Jim Leonard. And I don't know how is this going to go. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we went from a quarterback room of Graham Mertz not here anymore. So we had Miles Burkett and Cole LaCrue and I guess Chase Wolf. But we didn't know if he was going to come back. We didn't even know if he could play. It was This was before, this was pre-guaranteed Rate Bowl championship, of course. So there was a little bit more uncertainty. <laughs> the cupboard was bare. We're like, man, there's nobody here. There's no uh, high-level recruits coming up in the pipeline. There's no established starter for next year, even a stopgap. There's no stopgap. There's nobody on the horizon. The quarterback cupboard was bare. This is a coup. This is an actual coup going on in Madison, Wisconsin right now. What Luke Fickle has done and what Phil Longo has done. I think Nick Evers came to town, or Nick Evers, excuse me, Nick Evers. Uh, No relation to Tony and no relation to Barry Alvarez. What are announcers going to talk about? (laughs) Start the production meeting. Start the research already. We're going to need new fun facts. So Evers comes to town. You're like, okay, that's nice. Evers needed a place to play. He wasn't getting on the field where he was. He needs a good spot. All right, Luke Fickle, that's an interesting spot. Now, since Evers has got here, we learned Phil Longo. Phil Longo's going to be the offensive coordinator. Well, now all of a sudden, Tanner Mordecai is interested. Now all of a sudden, Mabry Matower is interested. Right? All these guys want to play in the Phil Longo system. This is, as Ben Kenny has coined, the Longo effect. I feel like there's a better word for that. I'm going to Google synonyms for effect. There's got to be, we need some alliteration here. Uh, Effect synonym. There's got to be one. The Longo, something with an L, anything? You got one? Uh, It doesn't look like we got one. Shoot. The Longo result. Mm -mm. The Longo consequence. Mm -mm. What what about the air raid? Uh, Maybe the Longo effect. Ben did this research. Why am I trying to undercut Ben? If if he coined Longo effect, there must have not been another, another option. Phil Longo effect. Bringing all these guys to town. I was hoping we'd get to talk to this guy today. 608-796-2558. Vagabond John. Vagabond John. Happy New Year. This is the best day of my life as a Badger football fan. Yeah, I just tweeted at you. I was thinking to myself, man, this Barstool Bowl is absolutely electric with the Barstool crew <laughs> yeah. uh, commentating with Jake Mars giving us play-by-play, all these guys. And I said, you know what? It's 359. I better turn on the Wisco Sports Show because mm-hmm. Grant always has electric Friday afternoon, uh, what do you call it, intros. And oh, yeah. today's was one of the best I've heard. So hats off to you, Mr. Grant. I appreciate that. Anytime we can throw Zach Davies under the bus, it's a good day. I, I love to take swings well, at Zach Davies for no reason at all. I didn't know where you were going to go with a couple of the jokes, and so that makes that means that they're good jokes. I the punchlines landed well. Yeah, but um, 
to pour a little cold water, I, I'm very excited. First of all, let me, let me preface the cold water, uh, warming up the hot tub. All right. The ceiling for Wisconsin football over the next two to three seasons, obviously the 2024 schedule is the one everyone's talking about. Unless the Big Ten changes up the schedule, we will be playing Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and I believe Penn State that year, yep. which is insane. Um I think that'll change, but looking forward to that season, I, I think the ceiling and the potential is, is certainly much, much, much higher. But you just mentioned a school that I like to compare where Wisconsin's floor is at. Who played quarterback at Nebraska this season? This is something that you probably don't know, right? Uh, I didn't watch a lot of – why don't I know this? I watched multiple Nebraska games. Who was it? Let's just see. Yeah, Tell me who you, was. you don't know it because he wasn't very good this season. His okay. name was Casey Thompson. Yep, yep. Where was Casey Thompson originally from? Texas. What was his star rating? He was a uh, he was a four star quarterback, right? I think if you're looking for oh, being a little realistic moving forward, what is our floor? Well, just because there's stars next to their name, as we know very well with the kid that's leaving town, uh, doesn't mean much. Just because he can run doesn't mean much. We haven't had a guy that can With run. All, we, we, we haven't had a guy. Like, none of these guys have been able to run. We've had statues for a couple of years. Right. But Nebraska's been able to run for the last decade at quarterback, and it it hasn't helped. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't like all these comparisons to Nebraska. Nebraska doesn't have Phil Longo. Nebraska had Scott Frost, who apparently couldn't organize yeah. a schedule or put, you know, a playbook into a folder. I guess that nothing was going well down there. He didn't Scott, know what he was doing. Scott Frost also wanted quote-unquote national championship with a 13-0 and UCF team. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to throw all the cold water. I just think it's important to be uh, realistic and kind of guarded, right? I have, you know, maybe an ace of king suited, but I'm excited about the future, but I don't want to get so high without seeing a single game from these guys yet because the reality is, uh, why are we comparing it to Nebraska? Well, Wisconsin fired Paul Chris coming off a nine-win season. Uh, Nebraska fired Bo Pelini coming off consecutive eight, nine-win seasons. They're, the two situations are actually incredibly parallel. Um, and now we're getting all these transfer quarterbacks. Ooh, our offense is going to get more exciting. We hired the, the young, hot, you know, well, I guess he's not young, but we hired the, the offensive guru that's going to come make everything more explosive. And we just saw our, our, our friends and rivals to the West go through the same thing for the last decade and it really didn't work so just because it's changing doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great but that being said our ceiling is also higher so am i all in on the change yes Mm -hmm. do i fully recognize that i'm going all in on a suited non-pair that could absolutely blow up my space if two sixes are revealed in the flop and somebody hung around yes so I guess the poker analogy only works if, you, if anybody plays poker, but no, like that's that how I'm analogy. feeling about it. I like that analogy. We're just in such a – like, I think to to kind of close this conversation and then we'll take a break and we'll continue. Back about John, I just I, – what I think about is where where we were a month ago at the end of the Minnesota game and thinking, well, Graham Mertz is going to transfer and there's no one here. Thinking back to where we were then compared to now – they stacked this quarterback room with guys who have lots of potential. Yeah, maybe Mordecai isn't great, or maybe Nick Evers doesn't do anything. Maybe Matower's But 
Now they have a bunch of options. This is this is a handful of lots of different cards that all could flip and, and give us something very good. Before we had nothing. A month ago, it was it was as barren as barren gets. I totally agree with that notion. A month ago, I'm still mildly bitter over the Chris firing. I won't lie. Um, it's interesting that he hasn't taken another job yet. That there were some rumors that he was looking to be done coaching college football soon, anyways. So. If that all turns out to be true, obviously all my uh, angst will be gone. It's also very interesting that Jim Leonard is not taking a job yet, although he's received a number of offers. Um, With the transfer portal and with recruiting and everything, you want to get into place as soon as possible. So I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out. It would be weird to wait until February or March to take a job. so we'll see if he's just looking to take a gap year. Wouldn't blame him, but we'll kind of see there. Well, Pipakowski would say that's because he's waiting for Joe Barry to get fired. I would be shocked. I almost don't want Joe Barry to take Oh, I got to. I'm preparing. I'm preparing an analogy. You know I'm a Joe Barry defender. Yeah, I'll identify. I know I'm probably the only one. I'm, I'm the Joe Barry defender. And uh, it's kind of up to him to get the Packers in the playoffs. So if it happens, I have prepared a couple of different interesting stats that I will call in with. Uh, it's kind of like in chess, the first move you make is you castle into the corner, right? And you defend with the queen and all this stuff. Sure, sure, sure. I got a couple chess analogies that I'll make with Joe Barry pending the next two games because if I go through all this work, I'm just going to embarrass myself if we lose. So. No, you're good. We'll, 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 we'll come back to it next week. I am woefully late for a break, Vagabond John, as we say on this network. I have to let you go, but I appreciate your call right away, and I will talk to you next year. Absolutely. See you, Grant. See ya. That's Vagabond John. Wisco Sports Show. Let's take a three-minute break. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We're back with more Badgers talk in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Never miss a Friday show, especially when we get a special appearance from Mike Clemens. He'll be here in an hour. And especially, you don't want to miss a Friday show, the day after the Badgers. Add another transfer quarterback. So we're talking about Tanner Mordecai, who now steps into a quarterback room that already has Nick Evers. Chase Wolf, the the uh, respected veteran who is a guaranteed rate bull champion. Miles Burkett, who knows what he has to offer at any point. This is a room. This is a rotation. This is a group of quarterbacks. Not just putting all our eggs in one basket, which I love. 608-796-2558. Mike in Windsor. We're getting all our Badgers football experts calling in. What's up, Mike? What's up, Grant? How are you? I am swell. I feel like we've gotten a lot of great sports stories. Like last week, what was the story on Friday? Oh, they extended Elton Jenkins last Friday. That's right. So we had that to talk about. And yeah. last night, the Mordecai transfers just gave us something awesome and exciting to talk about tonight. So I'm happy. It's, it's good stuff. You know, I love your intro, too, until you... Said Chase Wolf has pedigree. <laughs> he hey, he does not He's a fifth-year bench player. He's not decorated. That is all right. He that threw is for hundred. Yes, go, go threw ahead. for one hundred and seventy some yards. He's not decorated. Mordecai in two seasons threw for over seven thousand yards. Mm-hmm. 
and 70 touchdowns. Oh, he's the guy. He's the starter now. It was Chase yeah. Wolf's job to lose for about a day and a half. He lost it. So it, it was. Let me remind, we, we had a moment in Mertz, time where it was his job to lose. He just didn't take very long to lose it. Mertz had 22 touchdowns last year. So I put that in comparison. Um, but he had it, nine in one just, game. He had nine touchdowns in one game. Yeah, that's insane. So um, I don't know if he's going to get nine, you know, against Big Ten play, but he could against some Big Ten West opponents, <laughs> Nebraska. There you go. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what the comparison is uh, uh, from your last car. What I forgot that I forgot that guy's name. He's a good dude. Vagabond John. You guys are like Vagabond John. He's always got one he's always got good takes. Yeah, you both. He's, do. Uh, he's always got great takes. But how can you even say that Nebraska is our rival? We beat him the last fifteen years. Yeah, I, I, the, the Nebraska the Nebraska comparisons are I I, I don't know. They fired Bo Pelini like to him. try to take a step up with Scott Frost. If I'm Nebraska, I do that 10 times out of 10. I think that was the correct move. It didn't work out, but I don't fault Nebraska and, for that. And Vagabond John, you're still upset over Paul Chris getting fired? That was That's that's four months ago, man. Yeah, it feels like I've my aged God. three years in that amount of time. And also, look, oh go back, go back and watch those Wisconsin-Nebraska games under Bo Pelini and tell me that Bo Pelini was supposed to just stay there and be the coach and Nebraska was supposed to ride that out. Wisconsin's running game pistol-whipped Nebraska embarrassingly every time. 56-7. Like, absolutely dominated Nebraska in those games. That was insane. So, yeah, what do you expect Nebraska to do in those situations? Now, no one can say that Scott Frost was a good hire, but... It, it's it's a fluke. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Would anybody? You know, hey, some guys. When they hired Scott Frost, I remember doing a segment on. I don't think I was on the show. The show didn't exist yet. I had a podcast, and I'm like, "How great does the Big Ten have it with coaches? Harbaugh's back at Michigan. Scott Frost is at Nebraska. What a coup! What a great hire! Right? It makes sense. High point at uh, at, at UCF, and then he comes home. Like I thought it was a great hire. Anyone who go, goes back and revises history and says that was the wrong hire, they're lying. Everyone thought. Frost, most uh, not everyone, but most people thought Frost was a was a slam dunk. Of course, um, in Nebraska, and you know what? I honestly think Matt Rule is going to be a, a good fit for Nebraska. But I I think a lot of people could say that too, but they're going to be wrong. I think he's a great college coach. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's going to work out in Nebraska. I think they're going to be a better team. Now, do I think with Mordecai are they going to get rolled fifty six to seven again? Yeah, I do. But either way, I don't know. You you can say all you want about who you want, but until you see it actually happen, nothing, you know, nothing's foolproof. Um, shout out Badger basketball tonight. They're favored by 20 and a half, I think, right now is the spread. So I'm, I'm hoping 25 points. Going to Big Ten play on Tuesday, 10 and 2. Yeah, you need to carry that momentum into the new year. Uh, let's remind us who the Badgers play tonight, please. Remind me. Uh, they are Western Michigan. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, the Western Michigan. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm thinking Don't of. Another, uh, no. Oh, no idea. Wait, Western Michigan. Is that the Chippewas? Is that Craig Jennings' team? It might. No. Did, did Jennings play at Western Michigan? Western Michigan, Kalamazoo. Uh, this is really necessary. This has to be done right now. Um, why is this not the I first had a, mascot? I had a high school buddy who's a wide receiver who played at Western Michigan. Oh, it's Buster Bronco. Oh, it's P.J. Flexel. And then it must be the Central Michigan Chippewas. Ch- Michigan. Chippewas, yep, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. The Central Michigan yeah. Chippewa Falls. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so I, I, they're favored by 20 uh, or 20 and a half. 
I, I'm, I'll give them 23 or 25 points tonight. I think they'll take care of business. But you're right, you got to take into that energy into the new year and mm-hmm. uh, enter Big Ten play. I mean, they've already entered the Big, Big Ten play a little bit, but really get into Big Ten play on Tuesday uh, against Minnesota um, at home. I'm looking forward to it, Mike. You have a great new year. You doing anything to celebrate this weekend? Um, yeah, little little party with some friends, and uh, nice. I got big plans tonight. I got to go to Costco, so huge Ooh, plans. I'm, I wish yeah. we had a Costco. And La- okay, I wish we had a Costco and lacrosse for one reason, so I could buy tortilla chips in massive quantities. I, I cannot get yeah, but- a big enough bag of tortilla chips at my local grocers, the Walmarts, the festivals. It's not enough. But, Grant, the problem with Costco is you go in there for two things, and you come home with, like, a $700 artificial Christmas tree. That's fine. That's, that's fine. That, that, I, that's a plus. It's but not. I, it's like, not okay. It's not okay because it, it I, really ruins, you know, things down the road. I don't need to buy in bulk for any item. There, there's no item that I use at a high enough clip to need a Sam's Club membership or a Costco except for tortilla chips. I want a constant supply of just plain, salty, crispy, crunchy tortilla chips at my house. I just can't. The bags are never big enough. I want a drum. I want a big burlap sack. And the bags at Costco yeah, can, are, oh, it's unbelievable. Oh. I can see you going through a bag during a Bucks game, just nervously chewing. Dude, they're fantastic. It's just the perfect snack. You dip it in salsa or just have, you ever wake up in the morning and the first thing, like you don't have time to make breakfast or whatever, you just take a handful of tortilla chips at 730 and just get that little salt and crunch. Oh, love tortilla chips. Yeah. Yeah, a handful of tortilla chips at 7 a.m. That's what I do, Grant. Well, you got me. Well, try, try it sometime. All right, I actually, I actually, I am woefully late for break. I have to take a break. Thank you, Mike. Have a great New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Talk to you next uh, next year, next week, and uh, enjoy Badgers basketball tonight against the Broncos. Vagabond John Texan. It's not the Chippewas. The Chippewas is Central Michigan, and I believe that is the alma mater of uh, Greg Jennings, who's now a very mid-broadcaster on Fox Sports 1. The more you know. Tim and Menominee says it was funny to watch Pelini do his best Fran McCaffrey imitation whenever Bucky smoked them. It was more imitating or entertaining than the game. I miss that. I do miss Bo Pelini. He was an intense son of a gun on the sideline. But I'd probably get pretty fired up when Melvin Gordon is popping off for 18 yards of carry again. Uh, that happened more than once. Happened in a Big Ten championship game. Then it happened the snow in Camp Randall. It happened multiple times. Yeah, I will not revise history to go back and say that Scott Frost was a bad hire. No one thought that was a bad hire at the time. And no one thinks this Luke Fickle hire is a bad one. Now, if we get five years down the road and it doesn't work, I will be the one. I will say it was a good hire. It didn't work. It was a good hire. We can't always play the results in sports. Sometimes you got to play the process. The result may or may not work out, but you got to play the process. It's a good process. 608-796-2558. Let's talk Packers-Vikings. Five minutes and we're back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk Packers here. Uh, a couple of things to address before we get into Packers talk. Uh, Lars tweets in. Listing, I assume, on our Eau Claire affiliate, Sports Talk 105.1, the 715. He says, 7.30 a.m. tortilla chips, the true breakfast of champions. Look, I don't eat them every day. That's not what I'm saying. If you know, you know, though. If you were a lot of bed and you're like, oh, man, what a, you know, maybe you're up real late and you just need, need a little pick-me-up, just grab a handful of salty tortilla chips, cram them down. It really hits in the morning. You wouldn't think that it does. Don't put salsa on them. Don't dip them in. Don't dip them in anything. 
Just get the salt and the crunch in your body at, at 7.30. That'll, that'll perk you right up. Nothing better. Thank you for the tweet, Lars. At Wisco Grant. Another tweet I need to address, and I will address directly Mr. Ben Kenny and Mr. Zach Heilprin, because last night in a Twitter space, I hopped in and we were talking about the transfer of Tanner Mordecai, and I referred to SMU as Southern Methodist, which I was chastised for greatly. I, I was almost laughed out of the space. I just want to read for you the statement from Tanner Mordecai that was tweeted an hour ago. SMU hyphen. I want to take this opportunity to thank Southern Methodist University. Interesting. Faculty, staff, and football program. I've made relationships that I will cherish and carry for the rest of my life. Thank you, Coach Lashley, Coach Brewer, SMU alumni, and my football brothers. SMU in Dallas, Texas will forever hold a special place in my heart. Wisconsin hyphen. After conversations with Coach Fickle and Coach Longo, I am excited to announce I will utilize my last year of eligibility at the University of Wisconsin. I cannot be more fired up to play at a school with a rich history and a winning culture. Let's ride. I probably could have stopped after the first sentence because my whole point of reading that was he referred to SMU as Southern Methodist University in his statement. So please do not get on my case and bully me because I refer to universities by their proper God-given name. Southern Methodist, quite literally God-given name, instead of SMU. Won't take hate from Ben. I'll take flack from Zach and Ben on a lot of things. This is not one of them, so I just wanted to clear that up. 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Packers-Vikings. The stakes and the setting of this specific Packers-Vikings game are both so interesting to me. The setup the stakes, uh, what's on the line, the way this game is being portrayed, the discourse around this game, it's fascinating. Because, you know, we make fun of Vikings fans because the matchups versus the Packers are their Super Bowl. Oh, this is your guys' Super Bowl. You know, anytime the Packers lose by a couple points at U.S. Bank, oh, this is your Super Bowl. This is the most important game of the schedule for you, you know. The roles have kind of been reversed a little bit. I feel like this game this weekend is kind of our Super Bowl, Packers fans. Don't you think? It's like, well, if we can just spoil the Vikings season a little bit. (laughs) Now, the Packers have a sudden shot at the playoffs, so that changes things. It's not like the Packers have nothing to play for except beating the Vikings. That's important to note. There are stakes. There there is a a, a playoff spot on the line if the Packers can win the next two weeks and have some things go their way. But the Vikings this weekend are the team with nothing to prove, really. They're 12-3. and They're playing for seeding. They're thinking about January. They're not thinking about, oh, we shouldn't have let the Giants come back on us. We shouldn't have let the Commanders come back on us. We should have scored more than nine points in Detroit, right? They have nothing to prove. They're not playing spoiler. They're playing for seeding, right? And yes, I understand that folks are accusing the Vikings of fraudulence. They're frauds. Everyone's saying they're frauds. Okay, maybe they are. But if they beat the seven and eight Packers, is that really going to change people's minds? The Packers really haven't looked all that great this year. I understand they're on a three-game winning streak. The Bears stink. The Rams stink. Well, the Rams blew out the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos stink worse. <laughs> there, there are levels to stinking. There's a lot of stink in the NFL this year. The Broncos fired their coach the next day. Teammates are turning on Russell Wilson, according to some reports, and then... You know, some players like Jerry Judy put out a tweet. Cortland Sutton put out a tweet about Russell Wilson's private office. What a jerk. (laughs) This has been an anti-Russell Wilson show for years. This is nothing new. This is nothing new for us on the Wisco Sports Show. The Broncos stink. 
The Rams also stink. They just don't stink as much as the Broncos. And then, yeah, the Packers were able to get out of Miami with a win this last weekend, and I don't want to poo-poo this again. It's a solid win because of all of the games remaining on the schedule post-bye, we circled the Miami game as the biggest obstacle, and the Packers cleared that obstacle, and that should be commended. But Tua couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He's concussed, right? And when the Packers weren't intercepting passes, they were letting Miami go up and down the field. They were letting Tyreek Hill catch bombs. They were letting Jalen... Waddle run away from the field like he was at a track meet. Right? Mike Gusecki was springing loose down the field. Raheem Mostert looked like it was 2019 all over again. The Packers really haven't looked all that great. And to get back to the Vikings, if the Vikings come into Lambeau and win this game 23-20, no one is going to change their mind on the Vikings. Now, if the Vikings blow out the Packers 40-3, to okay, well, then maybe people will pay attention. But the Vikings haven't shown the ability to do that. I don't think anyone's blowing out anyone this week. The Vikings have nothing to prove. They're 12 and 3. They're worried about seeding. They're worried about what happens in January. The Vikings are in the spot the Packers have basically been in for 20 years. Now we can talk about the 90s, and the Vikings have had their stretches, and then there's the exceptions of 2008 and 2017. They've had their moments here and there, but the Vikings are in the pull position that the Packers have been in year after year after year for basically my entire life, with a few exceptions due to injuries, and you know, when Favre was there, and then in 2017 when Case Keenum just decided to play like the greatest quarterback who's ever walked the earth. Case Keenum decided in 2017 to be Alex Hornibrook in the Orange Bowl all of a sudden. Just to stick with the with the Badgers, uh with the Badgers backdrop to today's show. I find this game very interesting for that reason. Because it's the Packers fans and the Packers themselves that are looking to play spoiler. Well, the Vikings fans have levitated above. This is just another game for us. This game means nothing extra. Now, a little trash talk this week. A little trash talk. Jair Alexander talking back about week one and how Justin Jefferson going for a million yards was a fluke. You've probably heard this, but let's listen to it anyways. I mean, you know, you just got to be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he don't jump in no super suit and get dressed and jump out high. You know what I mean? I don't either. Sometimes, but you know, like he human is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much onus on nobody's really good receiver by the end of the day. I'm a really good corner. We got really good corners. We got really good, you know, linebackers. So hey, D line, you know, whatever it is. But you know, you don't want to put too much focus on that one person because like first game that was a fluke. So we're gonna talk more about this after the break. I do just want to point out the way Jair Alexander talks, and I told this to Ebo last week. When Jair Alexander talks. He sounds like this is going to be a really deep pull. He sounds like that verse in the Eminem song, Fack. You know the song I'm talking about? Where Eminem is basically just going, you know the part I'm talking about? Don't. It's a terrible song. Don't listen to it if you've never heard it. But for like the six people out there that know what I'm talking about, that's what Jair Alexander sounds like all the time. So first, commentary on the way he talks. Next, I want to talk about what he said about Justin Jefferson's great game in week one being a fluke. Let's discuss that next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. Back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm glad at least one person got that 
Eminem reference to the way Jair Alexander talks. And of course, it was St. Paul Schmidt. Naturally. Uh, formerly known as Schmidt on the North Side. He's a big city guy now. He hasn't lost his uh, his texting and, and tweeting charm, however. Bobby Potes on Twitter <laughs> says, At Wisco Grant, he sounds like the guy who hangs outside of gas stations talking to random strangers as they're just trying to pay for gas. Correct. Also, yes. Also correct. Hey, you got a dollar? I'm trying to buy a black and mild. I just, I know it's aged poorly, but my favorite comment ever about, uh, about like drifters and homeless people. Should I even bring this up? Eh, no, we can laugh at this. It's funny. My favorite like homeless person joke ever is Seinfeld, the episode where they're collecting all the cans. And then Elaine is bidding on JFK's golf clubs. I don't remember what Jerry's doing. And and Newman and Kramer are scheming on the cans. And Newman didn't know that you could get paid for cans. And Jerry's like, why do you think homeless people collect them? And Newman goes, I don't know. They're deranged. <laughs> it really doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. That's just one of the sneakier, funny lines in Seinfeld. We don't talk about that enough. I don't know. They're deranged. Uh, Jair Alexander, though, is why we're talking about homeless people and drifters. Here's what he said about Justin Jefferson in week one. You've probably heard this, but we're going to play it again. I mean, you know, you just got to be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he don't jump in no super suit and get dressed and jump out high. You know what I mean? I don't either sometimes. But, you know, like, he human is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much on us on nobody. He's a really good receiver by the end of the day. I'm a really good corner. We got really good corners. We got really good, you know, linebackers. So, hey. D-line, you know, whatever it is. Whatever but, it is. You know, you don't want to put too much focus on that one person. <laughs> like, first game, that was a fool. I, I love how, as he keeps talking, he's listing position groups, and to the point where he gets the defensive, uh, defensive line, whatever. He's like, you guys get it. There's a bunch of positions. I actually love this. It's bulletin board material, and it's unwarranted, and it's inaccurate, but I don't care. I just think the Packers should talk as much smack as possible. And it's not really the approach I've taken. I'm an owner. I can rise above. I, I don't play for the team. I'm a part of things as an owner, but I, you know, I'm more of a silent part. Just talk your smack and speak your truth. I say that half jokingly, but also half true. Like Jair, however you see the world, speak it. And then if the Packers end up winning, you can just act like you were right all along. And if the Packers lose, then we can just make fun of Vikings fans. Oh, you care so much about this game. This is your Super Bowl. Like we can kind of twist and wiggle our way into any any particular like any any way that this game plays out i think packers fans can twist it into a way that works for us especially like the final trump card is win a super bowl then talk <laughs> what are they gonna do <laughs> what do you mean oh you beat us in lambo win a super bowl that's just the ultimate trump card all of the time jair alexander speaking of defensive line was asked you guys got interceptions against the bears against the dolphins and now against the rams the secondary is on a little bit of a heater why is that the difference to our D-linemen getting after them quarterbacks, you know, and it's obvious, like, they've been making it happen up front so we can make it happen in the back. I guess it also helps to go against the Bears' offensive line that's depleted and Dolphins' offensive line is not very good and Tua who is banged up and the Rams' offensive line just stinks and Baker's not mobile and he doesn't even really fit in in L.A. Tell that to Broncos fans, though. God, they smoke the Broncos. That's so funny. St. Paul Schmidt followed up with the best homeless person joke. Oh, God. Uh, and I know the family guy scene he's talking about where they're in the car and Peter asks, would you rather be a, what, what is the scenario? Would you rather be a homeless person 
with a 5% chance to be uh, adopted by a billionaire or Hitler two years before he has to shoot himself. And the friends are all asking about the parameters of the would you rather. And at one point, somebody in the car, maybe it's Cleveland, is like red or blue state. Am I a homeless person in a red or a blue state? And Peter goes, uh, blue, but Midwestern blue. And I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Uh, St. Paul Schmidt bringing the specific references on homeless people jokes. Kramer, why do you think they collect, or Newman, why do you think they collect the cans? I don't know. They're the deranged. I don't know. Who knows what they do? Jair Alexander does sound like a little bit of a gas station drifter. You got a dollar? So a man can buy a black and mild? Just a little snack? Roller dog? (laughs) Blue, but Midwestern blue. And that is the homeless person jokes portion of tonight's show. Perfect. We're going to move off of that. We'll get to the fins up portion of the show. Fins up. It is Friday. We will listen to some Buffett before six o'clock. Coming back. I want to talk a little bit more about the Packers, about what Jair Alexander had to say, and whether or not, you know, Justin Jefferson fluke week one. It was not a fluke, but I do want to revisit week one because I think we misremember what happened in week one. So I think it is uh, it is, is pertinent information to go back and dig up. And I think it behooves us to go back and revisit that game. So we're going to do that in a couple of minutes. A two-minute update from our good, good friend, Zach Heilprin. And then we'll come back, talk Packers on the Wisco Sports Show. Be back in two minutes. took shots when he needed to take shots, and I don't think I ever saw him bad eye. There was no bad body language. There was no nothing negative, no matter what situation I saw tonight. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I'm trying to clarify a lot of things from yesterday and from last night. Again, I defend myself for saying Southern Methodist instead of SMU. I was chastised. I, I, you know, Ben Kent, he didn't need to do that in a big Twitter space. Made funny. That's fine. I'll I'll be the the whipping boy. I'm good for it on the morning show over the line. It's fine. You guys need someone to beat up on? Beat up on me. I like me. The planes, trains, and automobiles. Now I just can't get family guy references out of my head. It's fine. You can beat up on me. On yesterday's show, however, I did make a grave error when we were discussing Pink Floyd, and I knew it when it happened. So Eric on I-90 called in, and I asked Eric what the best Christmas gift was that he got. And I think he said, I don't remember if it was a son or a daughter, who's really good at uh, computer art, he said, uh, made him a, a piece of Pink Floyd artwork. And I said, Eric, I had no clue you were a Pink Floyd guy. So we were talking about a show that he went to, and it was in 95 at Camp Randall, which was the Division Bell Tour. And I pulled up a picture on the computer, and I was talking out my butt, and I said, oh, there's David Gilmore, there's Roger Waters. I knew Roger Waters at some point broke from the band. I thought it was more recently than that. I thought it was like a Felder with the Eagles 2005 type situation. I guess Waters was on the outs long before that. And I knew someone would call me on it, and folks immediately did. Richie and Eau Claire broke his silence, because normally he tweets and he calls about the Brewers, but Richie's like, no, 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 as a Pink Floyd guy, I must intervene. Uh, and Jeff in Chatfield, he gave a detailed breakdown of the history. So I did a lot of reading on Pink Floyd today. 
I'm by no means an expert, but I'm getting there. And I also listened to an entire album. I listened to uh, Roger Waters and Friends, basically, I guess is what it is. Uh, Berlin, was it 1990, where they did The Wall? I didn't think Van Morrison on a Pink Floyd song would work, but you know what? It did. It was very fun. And then the band was there. Um, Garth Hudson and LeVon Helm and uh, Rick Danko, I believe, unless somebody broke up with that band before that point. And in which case, feel free to call and text and correct me. So I'm getting there on Pink Floyd. I'm trying to meet some of our listeners in the middle. Uh, and now I'm much more familiar with the timeline of the band. So you can rest easy this weekend knowing that I'm uh, trying to educate myself. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. And the number to text and call is 608-796-2558. Mike from Chippewa Falls says, man, Jair is hard to listen to. Yeah, he definitely has a, uh, he has a cadence. He has a delivery. So to kind of reset the show, this is what I want to talk about. This is Jair Alexander talking about Justin Jefferson and his week one performance against the Packers at U.S. Bank. I mean, you know, you just got to be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he don't jump in no super suit and, and get dressed and jump out high. You know what I mean? I don't either. Sometimes, but you know, like he human is what I'm saying. We ain't putting too much onus on nobody. He's a really good receiver. By the end of the day, I'm a really good corner. We got really good corners. We got really good, you know, linebackers. So hey, D line, you know, whatever it is. But you know, you don't want to put too much focus on that one person because like first game that was a fluke. So I was trying to figure out where his accent is from. He's from Philly. Him and Ben Kenny sound nothing alike. I'll have to ask Ben about that if there's a. A Philly dialect, an East Coast dialect. I don't know. But yeah, it is a little difficult to listen to. I'm with you, Mike. So I love that Jair is talking trash because as the little brother in this relationship, at least for this year, right, the Packers' little brother, the Vikings right now, historically, no. Uh, in the last decade, the last 20 years, no. But right now, in the context of the season, Packers' little brother. They're 7-8. and eight. They're fighting for their playoff lives, and the Vikings have just been cruising. They're 12-3. and three. Not every win has been pretty. Some people want to call them frauds. You can call them what you want, but they're winning games, and the Packers aren't. I, Bukowski is on some rampage on Twitter right now saying the Vikings are frauds. The Vikings are frauds. Oh, okay, Pete, the Vikings might be frauds, but then you got to understand that the Packers might just not be very good because the Packers are 7-8. and eight, Okay? He's saying, well, the Titans are frauds, too, and the Packers lost to them. Yeah, because the Packers aren't very good. Forget fraudulent... And forget teams that are actually, like, the Packers just haven't been very good. Doesn't mean they can't get into the playoffs because the NFC isn't very good. And things have kind of fallen into place for them the last couple of weeks and might continue to do so this weekend and next in week 18 when they play the Lions. But the Packers just might not be very good. We are the little brother to the Vikings right now in the context of this season. Historically, absolutely not. But right now, we are. And as little brother, I feel like we should talk trash. Why not? Talk it, and then if you end up walking it, well, then we can take a big victory lap, and we can be loud and obnoxious, and we can treat this game as our Super Bowl. And if the Packers do, I will treat this game as our Super Bowl. I will be pretty obnoxious next Monday. Except all of our callers who are Vikings fans, I actually I, I like. I try to keep things pretty tempered here because you know I like fans of of all teams to be able to listen to the show. You know, it's the whole idea. You know, Republicans buy sneakers too. Well, Vikings fans listen to sports radio shows too. I, I want the listenership. <laughs> I don't want to turn people away. But I think Packers fans and Packers players like Jair should talk trash. Zach Heilpern was talking about this on Over the Line this morning. There are no men on earth more confident than cornerbacks at any level, at a high level in college, in the NFL. They are delusional. They walk around thinking that they could cover anyone at any moment in time. Yeah, I'll lock them down. And then you get torched. 
Come back on the next play. I'll, I'll lock him down. I own him. I'll lock him down. This is just how these folks are wired. This is how cornerbacks are wired, which is why I wish Joe Barry would tap into that a little bit and say, all right, Jair, go match Justin Jefferson. Maybe not on every play, right? But more often than not, let him go mano mano with Jair because that's how you tap into that sicko mindset, right? If you let Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander, who are both psychos, as you heard, if you let them just sit in zone, they don't have an outlet for being cocky. They don't have an outlet for that attitude. Whereas if you let them man up a little bit, yeah, they'll get burned here and there. But that, that doesn't phase these guys. These guys are nuts. So tap into that delusion that cornerbacks have and maximize that delusion and let them go mano mano more often than not. Again, not every play. I understand that football is not that simple. But more often than not, right, let them match up. Jair Alexander is talking about week one. Justin Jefferson went off. Justin Jefferson in week one, by the way, had nine catches for 184 yards with a long of 64. So what it's worth. So that's uh, going to inflate the number a little bit, but still a lot of catches and a lot of yards. Justin Jefferson has either matched or eclipsed nine catches seven other times since week one. He's really good. That'll happen. So no, it wasn't really a fluke because he does it all the time. He has explosive games. He'll have less explosive games against defensive coordinators that are literate. And again, until I see Joe Barry, you know, write his own name or do a multiplication table, I, I do wonder a little bit about, you know, whether that guy's got it all going on up there. I hope Green Bay employs a literate defensive coordinator soon. I look forward to the day that they do, but right now they do not. So Justin Jefferson is good cook a little bit more. Tyreek Hill's going to cook more. The Packers have been letting guys cook. Terry McLaurin cooked him. Uh, Stephon Diggs cooked him. C.D. Lamb cooked him. People, go back and watch the Cowboys game. C.D. Lamb went off. He had like 150 yards. Jalen uh, Waddle and Tyree killed this last Sunday. Cooked. So Justin Jefferson has been eating all year long, and the Packers have been letting opposing wide receivers eat all year long. Not really a fluke at all, really in any sense. Not even a single percent of a fluke, but I enjoy the confidence, and I enjoy the smack talking. Week one, I do think we have some misconceptions. Justin Jefferson's performance being a fluke is not one of them, but I do think we have misconceptions about week one. For some reason, everyone remembers it as a blowout. I, I just it was twenty three to seven. That's not a blowout to me. A blowout to me is forty two to thirteen. Right? There were moments in the third quarter and even early in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. Where I'm like, no, nah, they they could they could get into this. They could make this game really interesting. And they didn't, but they could have. That's not a blowout to me. A blowout is a game that's been put out of reach in the third quarter or early in the fourth when it's 42 to 10 or 35 to 7. That's a blowout. Bears at Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football. That's a blowout. 55 to nothing blowout. 42 to nothing at halftime with Aaron Rodgers throwing six touchdowns in the first half. That's a blowout. 23 to 7 is not a blowout. And yet we go back, well, the Vikings blew them out in week one. No, they, no, they didn't. That's not how that went. It was much more of a nail-biter than that. And I think we, we've, we you know, for weeks, we've looked back at this week one game against the Vikings. Well, the Vikings really handled them. I don't know if the Vikings have really handled anyone this year, let alone the Packers in week one. And I think we misremember week one quite a bit, especially when thinking about this game. Matt LaFleur talked about looking back at the film from that week and you know, if he can learn anything from that. I'm stalling here because I don't know if we have the audio. Do we Do we have Do we have the audio? Well, I think you got to be aware of what you put on tape and, um, you know, how they defended some things and how we defended some things. You're always aware of that. You go back, you revisit it. But I think it's more, I think both teams are probably a little bit different than when we first started and the growth. And that's that's natural through the course of the season. 
I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't listen to any of that. But good for you. Or sorry that happened. I don't know. Again, I wasn't listening. Week one was so long ago. That part I did hear. I am interested and terrified to see what kind of game plan Joe Barry cooks up. I was talking with some listeners. Again, I, I go to the beer house for WK2I or lacrosse affiliate. Lacrosse beer house is on the corner of 3rd and Pearl, downtown lacrosse. And every week through last night, been going there. Some listeners pop in. We have some drinks. We talk about the Packers, whatever. You know, give away some jerseys. We gave away a Vikings jersey last night. It was fun. To a Vikings fan. That was, that was wholesome. I was glad that we had a Vikings fan who showed up. And we were able to give him a Justin Jefferson jersey. What, a, what an awesome, what a great time. Wholesome. Anyways, so we go to the beer house throughout the year. And if I'm being 100% honest, I don't remember where I was going with this. Oh, somebody asked me last night, did Joe Barry save his job? We're talking about Joe Barry and the, the defense's performance the last couple of weeks. And I'm like, I don't really care how well the defense plays down the stretch. I'm just kind of out on Joe Barry. I've been out on Joe Barry for a while, and I don't really know if there's anything that he can do to get back in my good graces unless he fundamentally changes who he is as a defensive coordinator. What Joe Barry does is set up a defense, run a defense that's pretty vanilla and on par with what the rest of the league is doing. And that's fine. Like, there's worse ways to coordinate a defense. I want a defensive coordinator who comes into town and says, all right, here's our base. This is These are our core principles. But I want to try a lot of different things. I want to experiment. I want to move this player and try him over here. I want to take this player and try him back here. Try things. Move guys around. Like the Eagles right now are, are getting an incredible season from Hassan Reddick. When Hassan Reddick was in Arizona, he was used as an off-ball linebacker. Wow. Gets to Philly. Look, all of a sudden he can rush a passer. Who knew? I don't know. Not the Cardinals because they never tried to use him that way. What if the Cowboys and, uh, and Dan Quinn never tried Micah Parsons out at edge rusher? What if they never tried that? Then they, they would have never realized that this guy is actually generationally good at rushing the passer. Like people compare him to LT. I didn't watch LT. It was a little bit before my time, so I'm not jumping in the comparison game. But you need to try guys in other positions. And what's driving, driving me nuts this season, I said it in August. I hate to be this guy who's always like, I've said it for months because those sports fans are the worst. But I remember in August, we did our hot take special with Bart Winkler. And one of my hot takes was Quay Walker is top three in sacks on this team. Because after Rashawn Gary, they don't have a lot. I really like Preston Smith, but Preston Smith is not the next step transcendent pass rusher that is supposed to lead your defense. He's a nice rotational player. So you have Rashawn Gary and you have Preston Smith. And this is before we knew what Kingsley and Igbari was going to be. I said, why not Quay Walker? Rotate him in. Use him. I believe the language I used was independent contractor at edge rusher. Make your own schedule. Come in when you want. Make your own hours. Remember this? People, you, you remember this. Try him out up there. Use him as an edge rusher. And then Rashawn Gary got hurt. I was like, okay, well, now we definitely have to use Quay Walker at edge rusher because he's a great athlete. He's, his instincts are outstanding. His physicality and his traits are outstanding. He doesn't really get the schematics yet. He can't really read things and diagnose things well yet, but that's fine. Just let him rush the passer. Let him use his speed and his size to find a mismatch and get to the press. No, God forbid Joe Barry does that. I don't want a defensive coordinator that's not willing to try things, not willing to throw things at the wall to see what sticks. Look, as the defense, you're always wrong. You're always wrong. You're always going to be wrong on defense. Now, you're going to land your punches, and you're going to get a turnover here and there, and you're going to get lucky here and there, and occasionally you're going to get off the field. But you're always wrong. It's the same in basketball. You are always reacting to what the other team is doing, and therefore you're going to be wrong more often than not. So if you're always wrong, 
you might as well try different things. Because guess what? Teams are going to score on you anyways. You're going to give up points. That's how the sport works. That's the that's the fundamental core principle of offense versus defense and the relationship between one side of the ball and the other. And that's not just in football. That's in baseball. That's in basketball. That's in every sport where there's an offense and a defense. The defense is fundamentally wrong. You're going to give up points, especially now in 2022. The game is literally set up for the offense to get yards, to get points, to move the ball, right? You protect the quarterbacks. You protect the wide receivers. You might as well try things out. You're going to get scored on. You're going to be wrong. Try things. Experiment. Move guys around and try them in different positions. Why not? And Joe Barry just doesn't do that. That's uninspired coaching to me. That's uninventive coaching. I want a defensive coordinator who's going to have fun. And it's not like, it doesn't have to be a mad scientist guy. It needs to be a guy who can take his head out of his dumb little playbook that he got in 1997 when his dad coached because that's Joe Barry's background. 608-796-2558. Really quickly, because we got to get to Mike Clements at 530. It's Jeff and lacrosse. What's up, Jeff? Well, I thought I'd just chime in. I'm just picking you up. I've had a really, really busy day today. That a boy. Um, has anyone, has, I'm sorry? I said that a boy, busy day. You're moving and shaking. You're getting things done. Absolutely. Um, I still, I think we had this conversation a few days ago, run the ball and that will help your defense. You're saying the Packers need to run the ball? I really believe I think you're going to have to win. I really do. you got to play keep away from their ridiculously fast-scoring offense at times. Yeah, we got to keep Kirk Cousins on the sideline. He's too dangerous to have on the field. What a, what, a wild, <laughs> what a wild set of circumstances where Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are possessing the ball and running the clock to keep Kirk Cousins off the field. But I, I'm with you. If the Packers think they can win this game by taking big shots and big flashy plays, it's not how it's going to work. They're going to need to put long, sustained drives together. And you can do that on this Vikings defense if you take what they give you. Because like Joe Barry, Ed Donatel is going to give you a lot. You just got to take it. Right. Right, exactly. I still, I've watched your team for years and years. I'll see them run eight times for 60 yards, and that's 10 passes in a row. And I think it's catching up with them doing that. I don't like third and one and fourth and one throwing the ball. You'll hit a home run here and there, but, you know, I am I, I, the fake punt last. I mean, some of that, I just still don't get it. You know what? I'll defend Lafleur on the fake punt. His defense wasn't getting stops there. You know, I, I was listening to um, I was listening to CBS Sports Radio the other night. Our friend Bart was hosting, and he had Steve Sparky Pfeiffer on. And Sparky was like, "Terrible play call. It was a desperate play call. It, it reeked of desperation." Yeah, no kidding, because they're down ten in a game they need to win. They're six and eight. They should be making desperate play calls. I will defend him on the fake punt a little bit. It was executed poorly, and it didn't work. But but I I, I don't I don't disagree with the core principle, the the method behind the the move, I guess. Right, but I believe you you run the ball and you do a good job, you will win. I I think if I had to pick who I think's gonna win and and take my heart out of it, I still think Minnesota's a better team overall and I you're not really getting the weather advantage you could have had, which could have made a big difference, honestly. Yeah, I within we got to look at Christian Watson. The offense has been a night and day difference with and without him out on the field. So that's a big part of it too. Jeff, I I truly have to take a break because I got to get to Mike Clements. I'm sorry to cut you off, but have an awesome weekend. Yes, you too. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Jeff. Enjoy your Bears this weekend, and I'll talk to you next year. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Sports Show. Mike Clemens in about 10 minutes. Connect with him for the last time in 2022. Sad, bittersweet, but plenty of more Mike, hopefully in 2024, for all the Clemens crazies out there. Uh, that's what we call his fan club. I made that up on Monday. Kent in Mad City has added to... Interesting. A Pink Floyd text that it looks like he ties into Southern Methodist. Okay, well, we're going to read this in its entirety. I'm eyeballing it. I don't know where this is going to go. It says, hi, Grant. Pink Floyd, huh? Saw them for their dark side and animals tours. Regarding Southern Methodist University, a friend that graduated in 2014 said that nobody who attends refers to the school as SMU. Interesting. Furthermore, Forrest Gregg attended Southern Methodist. He had tickets. Wait, I think you now you're going back to Pink Floyd. Okay. Unless you're saying Forrest Gregg had tickets for Roger Waters. I'm assuming this paragraph break. Now we're talking about you. Okay. Had tickets for Roger Waters last summer in Milwaukee, but sold them a few days before. Speaking of music, man, we're bounced around everywhere. And knowing your musician, back when I played the guitar, we tuned our instruments to a telephone dial tone. Classic A, 440 cycles. Have a great new year. Best Kent in Mad City. Wow. Great text, Kent. Uh, yeah, I've always had clip-on tuners. Pretty privileged. I also, my pitch stinks. Like, I, I have friends who, like, I got a buddy who I play with that's perfect pitch. Nerd. Eat <laughs> that. Makes you feel like dumb. He'll look at me and be like, tune your B-string. I was like, shut up. Us mere mortals, it sounds fine. Yeah, I've always had clip-on tuners. The inline tuners are really where it's at, Kent. You got to have the pedal on the floor. I mean, nothing beats an inline tuner. I, I don't like the look of the snark on the headstock. I'm not an anti-headstock tuner, but you got to take it off when you're playing. If you're playing a show, you got to you gotta take it off the headstock because if you're on stage with a big clip-on wonky tuner on your headstock, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. It just, I don't know, looks a little dopey. Forrest Gregg did, in fact, attend Southern Methodist, and according to Kent, who was a friend that graduated from Southern Methodist in 2014, said that nobody who attends refers to the school as SMU. Fascinating. Fascinating. I might forward this text to Mr. Kenny. Thank you, Kent. Uh, just, you know, I, I took a little chapin from Mr. Kenny last night, which I've completely let just derail the show. I'm looking at Maryland football's Twitter right now. They're dumping a bunch of mayo on Mike Loxley. Yeah, they got it done, Maryland did. They won 16 to 12. What was the final score? Yeah, don't let Maryland get hot in the Big Ten. As they go away with divisions, now the Badgers are going to have to tango with this team. That's that's terrifying. Don't let Mike Loxley get going. Yeah, they beat NC State 16-12 to in a barn burner of a Duke's Mayo Bowl. Like there's any other type of Duke's Mayo Bowl. It's a barn burner no matter what. Mike in Colorado says, Grant, Happy New Year's. Go Packers. Thanks, Mike. I probably didn't need to read that, but I started reading it before I saw how long it was. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, Mike. Mike sent a text in yesterday, and I didn't read this on the air, but I feel like I want to. This just says a lot about this show. This is a compliment to all of us. Mike, this is one of the better compliments I think anyone has given this show. He said yesterday at about 420, right after we stepped out of the NBA lounge, he said, Grant, fabulous rant, makes me wish I would have watched the Bucks lose last night. That's, I mean, that's, wouldn't you say that's as good as it gets? And <laughs> when you... Love a show in a community like this one so much that you wish you would have been there to see a team get blown out so you could have talked about it with uh, with your friends on the Wisco Sports Show. That's fantastic. Uh, really quickly, Ed, we do have to be quick, but I got about two minutes. Ed is in Madison. What's up, Ed? I want to make it quick. 
Happy New Year to you. Thank you for all your great listening uh, expertise. I really do enjoy you. Oh, thank you, Ed. Are you keeping Gasper in check at the weight room? I, I want 2023 to be yeah. more gains next yes, year. Yes, he, oh, he's going to be popping. Okay. Muscle. Good. good. He's popping. Quickly, yeah. I just want to say, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Packers can win, but I'm not going to rely on the weather. I'm not going to rely on, um, I'm going to rely on turnovers. I think the Packers need to create turnovers. They need to make Kirk Cousins look like the old Kirk Cousins. I think he's been living uh, with the glass slipper a little bit too much this year. The Vikings are not going to do a comeback. They're going to wear the glass slipper this Sunday. I don't care what the weather is. Because the Packers don't need to rely on weather. They need to rely on turnovers and play stellar sound offense. Not make stupid plays. Not drop the ball. Not make fake. Uh, rely. I know you said the fake punt was great, but they got to be a little more. Um, they got to think. Not go up the middle, please. Yeah, my wife looked at me. She goes, "That's my biggest." What? 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 The, what? The H? She yeah. Said. Well, well <laughs> to be to be fair, I did not say that it was great. I said that I, I like people got so pissed, and I'm like, well, it's a desperate team, and they're down ten on the road where the defense can't get a stop. I mean, you got you got to try something. I, I don't know if I said we I got, it wasn't great, but I yeah. Yeah, Graham. It's okay to play with a little desperation. I mean, I mean, I mean, they care. They want to win. I want them to beat the Vikings. I had to live with my, you know, my brother texting me after the game, telling me that we're basically the little brother this year. I don't want to have that uh, moniker. No. I want them to take them down. It's time to take the glass slipper off, folks. Kick them in the, you know, where the groin and take it home. I mean, I want to see playoffs. I don't want to just sit here and go, what I could have should have all year. Amen, Take Ed. the Vikings stop. Yeah. And I, happy, uh, New happy New Year! Happy New Year, Ed. I, I do actually have to get to Mike Clements. He's going to call me in two or three minutes and then be pissed that we have to wait six minutes to go back on air. Mike Clements, for the final time in 2022, joins the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Are you surprised in week one against the Packers how open you were in that game, and would you think there'd be, like, big adjustments? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I was surprised on some some routes uh, of me being open. Uh, as you can see on some of the plays, I, like, was was acting like somebody was going to be there and uh, nobody was there. Uh, so I'm definitely expecting them to play a little differently. I definitely remember Jair saying he, he was wishing to play me man-to-man more uh, and be – on me more, so uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a different plan than what we had the first game of the season. He, he don't jump in no super suit and, and get dressed and jump out high, you know what I mean? I don't either. You know, you don't want to put too much focus on that one person because, like, first game, that was a fluke. That was a fluke. A fluke. You know, speaking of uh, super suits and, and capes, Mike Clements is here. Our Packers guy joins us on the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, I, I don't I don't know that there was much fluky in week one. Justin Jefferson catches a lot of passes. He has all year. And the Packers let opposing number one wide receivers go for a bunch of yards. They did it with CeeDee Lamb, McLaurin, Diggs, Waddle, Hill. I think this is the opposite of a fluke, Mike. It's the opposite. I'm sorry, Jair. It was a decisive win week one up there at U.S. Bank. You guys looked horrible. And Justin Jefferson, which everybody thought would be a big target, you folks would be have a plan for ran through your zone defense uh, unattended, unescorted, wide open, nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. The reason he didn't have any more catches is because 
he was so all alone. Yeah. You know? It's, I mean, they, you know, the Vikings just kept racking up points. It was, uh, it was awkward. Hey, so uh, news today, Al Lazard throws this great block yeah. in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins. They, they, you know, they, they couldn't move the ball on a pass, so they kind of run Aaron Jones to the outside because A.J. Dillon, you know, had his head uh, knocked, and they were concerned he had a, a concussion. And Aaron Jones runs for 18 yards on the right side, and Lazard turns and hits one guy, and three Dolphins fall like dominoes. So with one block, he takes out three guys. And when the play is over... These guys are still laying on the ground trying to pick themselves off the turf there at uh, Hard Rock Stadium. And Alan Lazard goes, one, two, three, with his index figure. Like, how many guys did I knock down with that? Like yeah. bowling pins. Uh, taunting. $10,000 fine today for Alan Lazard. A disgusting act, Mike. A truly disgusting act on the field at Hard even, Rock. Even while no one called on sportsmanlike on him at the time, no. you know, the referees are standing there. I think the official NFL Twitter chain. account promoted that, like, they shared the video. It was like a highlight that was circling around. So I've gone to the, you know, symposium with, with the NFL refs, and they talk about, you know, they sit in with the competition committee and when the rules are changed, and then, you know, the emphasis and the spirit of things, what the owners want and what the players' union says about it. And they say, you know, look, these NFL games that us refs were in, they are highly emotional. I don't know what it looks like on TV. Every stinking play is emotional. And, yeah. you know, we don't want players hurt. We don't want referees hurt. Have to get in the middle of it. And so we're trying to cut back on anything in terms of fights because we just think it's stupid and it looks bad for the image of the league on. So we're, we're kicking up the taunting stuff because that triggers the fight. The problem is that it, it didn't trigger a fight. I mean, it wasn't even close. Didn't seem like the Dolphins cared, so you know it's you know Alan Lazard's got to write a check for ten thousand sixty nine dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of ten thousand six oh nine. I'm sorry, ten thousand six oh nine. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of money. Almost eleven. That's a lot of money. Uh, David Bakhtiari. Yeah. Um, he 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 put on a helmet and a shirt on Wednesday and was out there limited. And you thought, okay, you know, two or three days of run around, and then you know he'll go next week against Detroit. And this morning, Lafleur said, "No, he's going to go. He's going to go." So I caught Bakhtiari just before uh, he left the locker room today, actually with my cell phone. And here's how that went. Dave, after you were released from the hospital a moment, month ago, after the appendectomy, did you have any sense what your timetable was? Because other patients, they say, oh, you can go home, you can go to work in the office, just don't lift anything. What was it like for you? Yeah, so I couldn't lift anything over 20 pounds for like three weeks. Um, other than that, there was a big question mark on, I, you know, was kind of asking around, like, what can, like, I don't know. I was just kind of like, just kind of feel it out. Um, so it was a journey for everyone, including myself. Uh, definitely sucked. Just was really, really weird. But I mean, I'm very fortunate that, you know, like really the last 10 days, it just kind of like took a huge turn for the better. And then, yeah, I mean, there's uh, some pain, something that I work through this week, but uh, very fortunate to be where I am where I'm like, okay, yeah, I can totally do this. Like, this is cool. So uh, that has been definitely the biggest blessing. But yeah, it's been an interesting 
uh, interesting journey because, I mean, here at everyone else, certain people can come back sooner than later, later than sooner, and it's just kind of up in the air. I'm like, well, what can I do after three weeks? And there, it really is just what can you do? So it's just me navigating what, well, what can I do and kind of figuring it out. So, Mike, let me be a fan. I'll, I'll take my owner hat off for a second and let me put my fan hat on. Could this, in a weird way, be a silver lining where Bakhtiari got to rest his legs, rest his knee, and just kind of recuperate for a couple of weeks, and now he's coming fresh into the two biggest games of the season, starting with the Vikings on Sunday? Is this a weird silver lining? I don't know. I don't know, because you remember how he played the first half last year against the Lions? I do, yeah. And then the knee was bothering him, and he took another couple of games out. Then he came back. They, they put him out there. You know, uh, or in a playoff game and something, he wasn't ready. Or yeah, I mean, it just—I don't know. I—I—I I, I, I thought there would be another week. He's a football player. They lift weights every day of their lives. Yeah. And he—he he wasn't able. To, you know, I'm con- wondered about fatigue and all that. But I know this: they got trainers that have all kinds of measurements in terms of energy and fatigue and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And even though he had to take a three-week break from the weight room. Um, they're obviously they're convinced that he's 100% and ready to take on Zadarius Smith for 60 snaps uh, coming up on Sunday afternoon at 325. So um, Keyshawn Nixon, the great return guy, he was dealing with a groin injury last week at this time, limited in practice, then went out and had a 94-yard return. And then, you know, he did tell the trainers, okay, this is bothering me again. And the trainer shut him down. And I asked LaFleur about that process. And he said, yeah, there's a lot of people that decide on that. But obviously, it's like, you know, we don't want to have him go out there and wreck it to the point where now we lose him for the rest of the season. And so he said a lot of people have a part of that decision. The decision was to shut him down in the Dolphins game and put Romeo Dobbs out there. Yeah. to You know, maybe he can recover quicker if, if we get into a postseason situation all that also LaFleur said you know you don't run Keyshawn Nixon if he can't go 100% speed wise at that particular position so if if he wasn't didn't the sidelines like I got some pain well if he can't go all out then put somebody that can when it comes to returning kicks Christian Watson suffered a hip injury left the Dolphins game didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday was limited today well, I saw him and took a picture and posted that on my Twitter account that he did. He took some reps, and Lafleur says his, that will probably be a game time decision if Watson takes some snaps gotcha. in the game Sunday against the Vikings. Watson's a player that they could use as a decoy, Mike. Even if he's out there running around, that gravity makes a difference in this offense. I wonder if that's part of their decision making process for whether he's available at all or not. No, Watson changed the offense. Yes changed the mood of the whole team with his performance against the Cowboys because it made defenses finally, you know, 10 weeks into the season, back up on only somebody yeah. on the Green Bay Packers, you know, offensive line. And Dobbs was out then, too, you know, with that high ankle sprain. We, they lost so many players during uh, the Lions game on Ford Field in the turf there. Aaron Jones has been dealing with this ankle injury and the sprain on the shin. Uh, and I, I went to him this. I said, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the Vikings defense. I mean, they're giving up a lot of yards. Uh, they, they, they seem to keep people out of the end zone so that Kirk Cousins. But Kirk has got all of these weapons. Uh-huh. And when 
uh, Irv Smith, his, his tight end, goes down with a long injury in the middle of the season. That's when they make the trade for the tight end with the Lions midseason. That kid went from four catches a week, T.J. Hawkinson, to like 13 last week against the Giants in a touchdown or two. I mean, I you know, the Lions fans must be pulling their hair out with what the Vikings have done with that tight end. So they got all these weapons. Yeah, I don't know if you want to get in a shootout. So I asked Aaron Jones, is this the kind of game where they probably want to run you and A.J. Dillon and keep the Vikings' offense off the field? Uh, definitely, but I feel like that's also uh, just uh, playing complimentary football, you know, uh, making it easier for our defense. Our defense making it easier for us and special teams as well. So, uh, But that definitely does eliminate some of their explosiveness. This team has not played complimentary football. It feels like as soon as the defense gets a stop, then the offense makes a mistake. Or as soon as the special teams makes a great play, then the offense goes in the tank. So complimentary football is certainly something they need to work on, Mike. I think of this Vikings defense and how I want to attack it. They're a bend but don't break defense. You can move the ball on them. I think Packers and Vikings fans, we share a lot of frustrations with our defenses. The Vikings will play soft and let you attack underneath, and they'll give you a lot. The the thing is, Vikings have been good at forcing turnovers, like Daniel Jones last week. They were moving the ball, then they turned the ball over. The Packers need to move the ball, be methodical with a running game. Big sense of shot plays, too, but be methodical. But you can't turn the ball over. And I think that's where you really lean on Aaron Rodgers this weekend and say, you can't make a couple dumb mistakes because that's how the Vikings have been winning games. Finally in Miami, Grant. The Packers' defense made in-game adjustments and literally flipped the game. And the adjustment was Tua Tungvaluwa is a rhythm passer. Stop worrying. Even though Waddle had gashed him for 84 yards, and Tariq Hill, you know, was deep. They were, and, and the speed of those guys was amazing to see in person. They said, you know what? If you watch the quarterback, you know where the ball is. And the next thing you know, they get three successive picks. So Aaron Jones comes to me. After his media thing there, and this is a little off, Mike, but it's it's okay. But this is how you get information working with these guys. It's a wink. Yeah. It's an acknowledgement of something uh, that they heard you say. And here's what Aaron Jones said. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Here. Here. This is Aaron came to me after we got talking. Here we go. Thank you. Probably was a question last week. Should have been. Huh? Miami. I just said I'm on the pitch. I thought it was amazing how this defense started figuring out, you know what, two is so much about time. Don't worry about them. Worry about where the balls go. Play the ball. Play the ball. And how, how incredible they turn that around. Yeah. You know, Rasul Douglas against Philly made a really instinctual interception. Jair and then Rasul Douglas and even Devondre Campbell. That's the thing about this defense, Mike, is they'll give up catches. They'll give up yards. That's, you know, that's the reality in the NFL. But the last couple weeks, they've been really good at reading the quarterback and reacting, and they've jumped some of these routes. They're going to have to continue to do that. Most teams and fans in the NFL usually put a lot of pressure on the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Let's face it, the rules... Uh, you know, are in favor of the offenses and for scoring. So while the Packers, you know, people are starting to question Joe Barry over in Minnesota, they're questioning Ed Donatel. Now, I, you're a young man, but you're aware of fourth and 26? Oh, yes. From 20 years ago, Quite. right? Yes. Packers are in Philadelphia. Um, Donovan McNabb, fourth and 26. That's all they have. Got to make one more play, and Brett Favre and those guys are, are moving on. And and they blow it, and they give that up, and you know the rest is history. Eagles end up going to a Super Bowl. So I told Adam Stenovich, the offensive coordinator of the Packers, I said, 
are you aware that the Vikings defensive coordinator you're facing this weekend used to work here? That Donatello was here 20 years ago. Hmm? I did not know that. But I was, of course. But, you know, how much is this defense become him or what Vic would run? How would you describe what the Vikings defense is? Well, I can't speak to what Ed Donatello was 20 years ago, but I can't speak to, uh, you know, just being around, you know, Vic when he was at the Bears, you know, going against his teams there, and then the Broncos as well. It's it's all in the same tree, the same family, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, it's we have familiarity with it. Obviously, our defense is kind of part of the same thing. So there's definitely a lot of familiarity in the fronts and the coverages and the personnel matchups and things like that. So, um, you know, it's something that we see a lot. Fourth and 26 is a funny play to talk about this week, Mike, because I think Packers fans and Vikings fans both hate their defensive coordinators a lot for playing so soft, playing off the ball and giving up things underneath. These two defenses are actually in a pretty similar spot. And I think some of the concerns and some of the things you were talking about with Stenovich there, they apply both ways to the Packers and the Vikings right now. You know, and like the 2012 Packers, after they win the Super Bowl and they go 15-0 the next year, um, the defensive numbers looked bad for the Packers uh, and their rankings, even though they were still going back to winning divisions and the NFC Championship competition. And the fact is is that Aaron Rodgers and that offense, they were putting up so many points, the teams were giving up their running games, and they were, you know, pass, pass, pass to try and catch up to the Packers. Yeah. So, you know, that can make a coordinator's numbers and defensive rankings look bad as well. Now, Aaron Rodgers said, and I, we, I think you and I talked about this Wednesday, Aaron Rodgers said, you know what, maybe I need to make better decisions. He actually said that. Yeah. And when I asked Stenovich, I said, what does he mean by that? He said, you know what, he says that he's the most competitive guy. He goes, we're on him about his decisions on holding on to the ball. The guy's taking too many hits. Throw away the ball. Yeah. You know, but he wants to hang on and hang on and try and make something out of it. Whereas I think a lot of fans say, no, take the check down instead of always trying to thread it 45 yards downfield with a fractured thumb. I asked Tom Clements, the quarterback coach, what does he think Rodgers means by some bad decisions he's made? Well, he's generally a good decision maker. He's probably referring, at least in this last game, early on he missed a potential to throw to um, Lazard on the right just running a slant. He threw a bubble out to the left and Allen ended up running a very good route and potentially could have scored. Anytime you you pass up something like that, you kind of kick yourself. So I I think that's probably what he's referring to. And then down in the red zone later in the game, third and long, we had a chance to hit a shallow, a shallow cross and might not have gotten into the end zone, might have. But, you know, things like that, you always second. There's always a handful of plays after the game where, you know, you say, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that. So that's, I think that's natural. Interesting. What did you take away from that, Mike? Because I, I don't know. It's interesting that Clements had the recall of all those plays. He was like, hey, he probably talks about this and this and this. They probably discussed that right when Rodgers gets off the field. You say, hey, this was there. Throw the ball here. You should have done this. Although Luke Getze has been the quarterback coach in there the last couple of years, the MVP years for Rodgers, mm-hmm. is a young, creative guy. I'll say this, is that I don't think Getze would have ever said that. But 60-year-old Tom Clements, the good news is yeah. he's telling us, yeah, he, he had a guy wide open and he blew that. <laughs> so at least you're, there's some honesty in that room. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's good news. 
the, the last story is this, Zadarius Smith. Yeah. You know, Rashawn Gary, of course, is having a great year. Then he blows out his knee in Detroit with a torn ACL. And, you know, Z- shouldn't Zadarius still be here, even though the, they were trying to stack money together to try and keep a deal for Devontae and blah, blah, blah? It can't be more than just money. And I asked Preston Smith, how long have you kids? He says, "Yeah, I talked to Zadarius." I said, "How long have you guys been friends?" Ten years, probably. I've been known ten years. I think he came in like December, so it was like 2012-ish. Both going into 2013, so ten years. I've been knowing him ten years. What do you think about the season? He's had- man. I mean, I knew Z was a baller, and I knew he was gonna make plays wherever he he landed. I just knew once he got healthy, he was gonna get back to being the Zadarius Smith. You know, people knew him to be, and he's gonna be that playmaker that he's known for being. I have a hard time explaining this to fans. Smith, I mean, if he was still here. Nah, it ain't hard for me to figure out. I mean, you know, this is the business. That's just how it goes, man. You know, nobody ever gets what they want from a fan perspective or from a player perspective. You know, every there's nothing perfect in this league, you know. Um, but if he was here, it'd be, you know, of course it would be a three-headed monster. Me, him, and Rashawn just all wrecking havoc and, and making plays and, and um, instilling fear in other officers with, our, with our, us, all three of us on the field at the same time and potentially. But, you know, it is what it is, man. That's a part of the business. You know, I'm happy for him, man. That's still my brother, and I'm happy he's having success over there. Yeah, you want the inside scoop, TMZ Sports or something, man? I'm not going to tell you all that. We just talk a little friendly I trash. I guess what unfriendly trash is. I heard I mean, we, we like brothers, so it's just kind of like, you know, it's always trash. It wasn't no disrespect in uh in the trash talk. It's just, you know, just talking trash. Like, hey, man, you know, we're we going to beat y'all. He's like, nah, we're going to beat y'all. You know, just kind of a little trash like that. I miss those two talking together. Mike, I got to go. I got to hit my last break. Enjoy the game this weekend. I look forward to catching up with you next year when we talk next Tuesday about Packers Vikings. Talk to you next week, Grant. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you as well. Happy New Year. That's Mike Clemens. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. We got about 40 seconds left, which is perfect to wrap up the week. Badgers basketball tonight, Bucks Wolves, no Rudy Gobert, no Chris Middleton, no Drew Holiday. That's sick. Great. Big college games this weekend, and of course, Packers Vikings. Monday's going to be fun. I can't wait till Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Listen to some Buffett. I'll talk to you on Monday at 4.